Hello, podcast listeners. Hope you're enjoying your day so far as much as I have. It is a beautiful Friday morning, and I have to say, I'm pretty excited to be talking about some of this news today that I have been looking over. Uh, first things first, we're, today we're going to be talking about Bitcoin adoption in Central Africa. Then we're going to get into about how the U.S. economy shrunk in the first quarter of this year. Then we're also going to be talking about the current union battle that's happening at Starbucks. And finally, we'll end today's podcast by talking about Apple's earnings report and what we need to look out for Apple going forward. However, like I always say before each podcast, I am not a financial advisor in any way, shape or form. I cannot give you financial advice on what you can or should invest in. Please talk to your professional advisor at this time or at any time when making financial decisions. I also ask at this time too to remind you that this whole podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And like I always say, I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. But today, let's get into the first article Analysis Bitcoin adoption by Central African Republic baffles cryptoverse. <clears throat> Central Africa's Republic adoption of Bitcoin, while many of the world's largest economies stay wary of it, have puzzled the cryptocurrency world and residents of the gold and diamond producing country and promoted caution from the IMF. Using Bitcoin as a digital currency that exists on a shared ledger across a global network of computers to buy and sell goods and services relies on reliable, fast internet and widespread access to computers or smartphone. Yet Central Africa Republic has internet penetration rates of just 11% equal to some 550,000 people online last year, the data reported website estimates. Meanwhile, only around 14% of people have access to electricity and less than half have a mobile phone connection, the Economics Intelligence Unit says. For analysis and crypto experts said great challenges lie ahead of adopting Bitcoin in one of the world's poorest countries with low internet use widespread conflicts, spotty electricity, and population mostly unfamiliar with crypto. Central African Republic Republic provide few details in its statement on Wednesday on how it plans to address these challenges. It did not respond to um, requests for a comment at this time. Bitcoin adoption in Central Africa just sounds like one of a few things. It sounds like maybe government might be trying to potentially, or at least the government's trying to maybe upgrade its infrastructure that it has there. I mean, there's a quote later on that says Bitcoin, what is it from one of the local tri um uh, one of the local people who runs a local timber company said on Thursday adding, what can Bitcoin bring to our country? The African country of 4.8 million people is the world's second to turn to Bitcoin after El Salvador. It's going to get interesting to see what countries first adopt Bitcoin across the world. I mean, some people trust Bitcoin a little bit more than others, while others don't currently right now. It says here, though, with why it has somewhat been successful in El Salvador, it sounds like. It says, when the Central American country adopted Bitcoin as a legal tender in June, a small but growing community of business and individual crypto users already exists. Yet its use in commerce has been stymied by internet glitches. So it's going to be interesting to see how Bitcoin continues to affect the world. I mean, now that Central Africa is using it, I can think of another reason why Central Africa is considered using this as a currency. So 
If you actually look up the legal tender currently right now of the Central Africa or CFA as it is, one Central Africa dollar is equivalent to 0.0016 US dollars. Okay. And if you look at the Bitcoin conversion rate, which I don't know how true this is currently, but it's saying one dollar of Central Africa is equivalent to under a penny for Bitcoin. Don't know how true that is. Been trying to look up stuff on this for the last few hours, but I haven't been able to find a whole lot. But I believe if you actually look at this Bitcoin chart too, it says it's just under 0.00000415 for a Bitcoin. So at the end of the day, it might be there might be inflation problems in Central Africa. That's why they're turning to Bitcoin now. At the same time, maybe they're trying to upgrade their infrastructure currently. And that's something that a lot of people should keep an eye out to see what happens in Central Africa. I mean, we just figured out that they don't have a lot of electricity there. They have electricity problems. Their infrastructure is not the best. And maybe they become a hub for Bitcoin in the future. Who knows? It's something that you need to keep a close look at, at least the more if you for those of you who do study cryptocurrency at the end of the day. But it's going to be interesting to see how Bitcoin adoption happens around the world. I mean, obviously, the bigger players like United States and China might be one of the last ones to get in, but it's still going to be interesting to observe to see what happens. Moving on, U.S. economy shrinks in first quarter. Trade inventories mask underlying strength. The U.S. economy unexpectedly contracted its first quarter amid a resurgence of COVID-19 cases and drop in pandemic relief money from the government. But the decline in output is misleading as domestic demand remains strong. The first decrease in gross domestic products since the short and sharp pandemic uh, recession nearly two years ago, reported by the Commerce Department on Thursday, was mostly driven by a wider trade deficit as imports surged and a slowdown in pace of inventory accumulation. A measure of domestic demand accelerated uh, from the fourth quarter rate, ailing fears of either stagflation or a recession. The Federal Reserve is expected to hike interest rates by 50 basis points next Wednesday. The U.S. Central Bank raises policy interest rates by 25 basis points in March and is likely to start trimming its assets holdings. The economy is still showing some resilience, but in the first quarter GDP report signals that uh, signals the start of more moderate growth this year and next largely in response to higher interest rates, said Sal, a senior economicist at BMO Capital Markets in Toronto. Despite the uh, contraction, the Fed has little choice but to hike aggressively in May to coral inflation. I think I read somewhere in this same article that it was like the first time in 41 years. Yep, here it is. Even with food and gasoline prices soaring, there is no sign yet of consumers pulling back. The government's measure of inflation and the economy surged at 7.8% rate, the fastest in 41 years after increasing at a 7.0 pace in the fourth quarter. Inflation, by all measures, has overshot the Fed's 2% target. The fact that the U.S. economy has shrunk a little bit is kind of concerning. Okay. I mean, I believe China's has been growing and China's still having issues with COVID with 
there's zero COVID policy and there are lockdowns currently in Shanghai and potentially Beijing in the making. But it seems a little concerning that the, that Wall Street's not taking this too seriously. And at the same time, it's also interesting because it just wouldn't that be concerning in general for anyone? I mean, it, the U.S. economy shrunk. So why is this not being talked about a little bit more? Maybe it's because Wall Street just continues to do its own thing. Maybe it's because Wall Street doesn't care as much. I mean, there's not much more free money being pumped into the system, which is one reason potentially why inflation is going crazy right now. Because if you keep printing, this is what happens. I mean, it happened in Germany right before uh, World War II and after World War I because they were printing so much money just to pay off their debts. So it's it's something that I believe this whole entire year should be looking at in general quarter by quarter. See how the U.S. economy is doing. See if it's actually growing. But it says here, gross domestic product fell at 1.4% annualized rate last quarter. The government said it advanced the GDP estimate. The economy grew at a robust 6.9% pace in the fourth quarter. Economics polled by Reuters had forecast GDP growth rising at 1.1% rate, estimated range from as low as 1.4% rate as the concentration to a high as a 2.6 growth percent. I have a hard time believing this. I mean, they're they're trying to avoid the fact that the U.S. economy is shrinking in this article in general. It just seems like I personally think that's kind of just concerning in general, like I keep saying that they're not talking about how the U.S. economy shrunk, I believe. And maybe I'd have to do more research in this later. But I think the U.S. economy was growing at least two or three years ago. I could be wrong. But right now, that's not good that it's not that it's shrunk. Um, now, granted, it could also be because there's not enough people to fill in the current jobs. There could also be just not as many people spending as much money, but it's still interesting to just see how it is has shrunk. So we, it's something we're going to have to keep a track of quarter by quarter to see how the U.S. economy is doing overall. Just something to keep an eye out for. Now, on to the next article. Starbucks union battle is getting aggressive and expensive and Wall Street is backing away. So from... This is from April 21st, but it's still important to talk about because this is a trend that is potentially happening in a lot of companies currently right now, is the fact that unions are trying to start up. Starbucks shares fell, have fallen 12% since Howard Schultz took the reins on April 4th. Uh, Wedbush Securities, a city research, both downgrade shares to neutral in April, citing the coffee chain's growing union push, among other concerns. Starbucks risks its long-term reputation as a progressive company the longer it battles union efforts. When Starbucks announced Howard Schultz returned to the company as interim CEO, investors cheered. His first tenure as chief executive turned the company into a global brand and his second years later revived both business and its stock price. But the applause has since quieted as Wall Street forecasts the coffee giant will keep spending money in efforts to stem a unionization tide. The stock has slid 12% since Schultz took reins on April 4th, dragging the company market down, market value down to $92.2 billion. As of today, though, it's actually down to $86 billion. 
the S&P 500 fell just 2% in the same period. Webbush Securities and City Research both downgraded shares neutral ratings in April, citing labor situations and other concerns. The recent tensions follows, follows months of buildup. In late August, company-owned Starbucks cafes in Buffalo, New York, petitioned the, labor, the National Labor Relations Board for a union election. Since then, more than 200 of the, of the coffee chain's locations have filed the paperwork to, union, to unionize. To date, 24 stores have voted to unionize under Workers United, with only two locations so far voting against. Now, unions are starting to be on the rise again. Okay. Starbucks currently, for at least cash on hand, has close to $7 billion, I believe it was. And I think in this same article, they mentioned that they're taking away uh, the share buyback program, I believe, currently, uh, just to handle the union situation. Here's the thing. I think Howard Schultz can be able to handle this whole situation. This is his... his it's not his first time he's probably been handling stuff that's been happening within Starbucks. But at the end of the day, it still makes me wonder what's going to happen if Starbucks unionizes across the board. As of today on this recording, Starbucks, at least last time I looked at the stock, was sitting at $75 and I believe 21 cents, give or take if I'm not mistaken. But Starbucks currently is having some issues. And it's going to be interesting to see how Starbucks handles this union uh, union situation in the making. That being said, though, if there's anyone who's going to be able to understand how to get things back in order for Starbucks, so that investors can get excited about investing in Starbucks again, it's going to be Howard Schultz. Howard Schultz, he he's a pretty smart guy, and if there's you, you should never there's some CEOs you should probably never bet against, and Howard Schultz is one of them. Another one would potentially be the Target CEO. Um, but there, there's just CEOs who you just look at and you should never question when they, when they're in charge. At least with Howard Schultz, he's somewhat in charge currently right now. Who knows? Maybe this makes Howard Schultz officially go back in full time again as CEO of Starbucks. And if that's the case, I would expect the stock to jump a little bit more because I believe Wall Street understands who he is in general. So. Keep an eye out. Like I said, unions are on the rise again. And so if for those of you who want to invest in Starbucks, I'd keep a very close eye to see what's happening. As what Howard Schultz does next can determine Starbucks's future. In fact, there's actually a great article if you want to get to understand a little bit more about what's happening with the union um, campaign in Starbucks. I would highly advise going to the Boston Globe and reading more into the Bartista's view inside Starbucks alleged uh, campaign. Okay. It's actually a very interesting article. It goes into details about what's happening. I guess some employees are losing hours due to unionization and Starbucks is not being the kindest of people or not kindest of companies, I guess. Now, granted, it could just be a biased news source, but it still gives you an idea of what's happening potentially at Starbucks. So Something to read about if you guys want to go look into. I would cover it right now, but we don't want to get into too much politics on this podcast. We want to be able to talk about what's happening in the markets in general. Last article we need to talk about, Apple. Apple beats earnings estimates and raises dividend, according to Yahoo Finance. 
That's right. The stock is up as much as three and a half percent, up two percent right now, and you can see a nice beat in revenue at ninety-seven point two eight billion, and it's up eight point six year over year, and that breaks down to product revenue at seventy dollars and forty-six billion, and that was a beat by about two billion. iPhone sales fifty point five seven billion, and that's a small beat. Mac revenue also beat at ten point four four billion. iPad revenue now. This was also a small beat, $7.65 billion, but that is down 2% year over year. That's an actual quote from Jared, I believe, Blykery. Uh, he is one of the CNBC contributors. He was explaining the, the, uh, the sales beat on Apple yesterday. According to now CNBC News, okay, it states that Apple's revenue grew 9% year over year and the quarter ended in March. The company said on Thursday, showing strong growth and bucking investors' worries about a deteriorating macroeconomic environment affecting demand for high-end smartphones and computers. But Apple shares fell nearly 4% in extended trading after Apple CFO Luca warned of several challenges in the current quarter, including supply constraints related to COVID-19, that could hurt sales by between $4 billion and $8 billion. The tech giant also warned that demand in China was being sapped by COVID-related lockdowns. Apple did not give a forecast for its current quarter. The company hasn't provided official revenue guidance since February of 2020, citing uncertainty tied to the pandemic. In addition, Apple said its board of directors authorized $90 billion in share buyback, maintaining its pace as the public company that spends the most buying its own shares. It spent $88.3 billion on buybacks in 2021, according to S&P Dow Jones uh, indices. Apple increased its dividend by 5% to $0.23 cents per share. We talked about this in a past podcast, but I believe Apple had about $212 billion of cash on hand. So, I mean, Apple is has so much cash on hand that it, it's going to keep weathering this storm currently right now that's happening if covid is as bad currently um for the stock because obviously china is shutting down a little bit and a lot of apple's iphone products i believe are made in china so apple's going to be able to continue weathering the storm currently that being said though it's going to get interesting at the end of the day to see how apple handles the storm i mean i'm not gonna deny tim cook's genius at times for being able to handle this but it's also interesting to point that last year apple increased its dividend to seven percent and this year it's only by five percent i mean technically the last year if you had been an apple shareholder you had been receiving 22 cents for every share of apple you got and they only raised it by a penny okay so maybe Apple sees things that we don't currently. Maybe they see some market problems in the making. But it just seems a little weird that a company that has at least $212 billion of cash on hand is willing to buy back $90 billion worth of shares, but it couldn't raise its dividend by 7% again. It's interesting to see this, this, that what's happening. Cook says that the iPhone business had a successful quarter with sales to so-called switchers or people who previously had an Android phone, Android phone, but decided to buy an iPhone. And a quote from Tim Cook, we had a record level of upgrades during the quarter and we grew switchers strong double digits. Cook told CNBC News.
And finally, the earnings beat also suggests that Apple's premium smartphone business may be insulted from concerns about deteriorating customer confidence. The increase in sales also came despite a difficult year-over-year iPhone comparison since the new iPhones were launched earlier in 2021. We don't need to go into any more details on just from the topic from CNBC. Actually, there is one more thing we need to talk about in this article. Then we can move on to some concerns that might happen with Apple. Cook said that Apple's financial performance was better than anticipated. The fastest growing region was the Americas, which saw sales rise by 20% during the quarter to $50.57 billion. Greater China, which includes Hong Kong and Taiwan, grew at a slower 3.47% rate to $18.34 billion. Cook said COVID-related China lockdowns didn't affect Apple during the quarter, however. Okay, so what's really going on here? Why is Wall Street spooking out? Well, it could be one of these five reasons, actually, that could be making Wall Street freak out. The five factors likely to reduce Q3 revenue for Apple is as follows, okay? At least from an article called 9to5Mac. They are as follows. Component shortages. We talked about that yesterday a little bit with the auto industry. There have been shortages of products in the car industry. So there could be a component shortage for Apple as well. COVID-19 disruption in China. If China goes on to lockdown again, Apple will have to weather that storm. Right now, currently, it's only in Shanghai and potentially Beijing, but still keep an eye out for that. Exchange rate weaknesses. That's obviously happening across the world. So that's just mostly, I guess, consumer confidence in the dollar or whatever uh, money currency you are around the world. Loss of Russian sales. I don't see Russian sales really being a big impact. I mean, I don't even believe Tim Cook's CEO even mentioned much about Russia during their conference call. But I guess that's one of their five reasons too. And finally, inflation reducing consumer spending power. Inflation is increasing. We've talked about this earlier in this segment with the U.S. economy. But... At the end of the day, those five things could be the reason why Apple could struggle in the third quarter, but I personally don't see that happening. And the only reason I don't see that happening is Warren Buffett always says Apple has a sticky product, meaning people are obsessed with it. Okay, I know people who cannot work at a computer unless it's a Mac. In fact, even currently looking at some of the statistics for who... For those of you who are currently on this podcast, I believe you are listening mostly on a Mac as well or an iPhone of some sorts. At the end of the day, not saying this isn't 100% guaranteed, but it seems like people are going to be willing to buy Apple products if they want to because people like Apple products in general. Now, granted, like we just talked about those five reasons, components might become an issue growing forward. If China goes into full lockdown, obviously that's another major concern that I keep having currently. Because I want to know how the world's going to react if China goes into lockdown across the entire country again. Or is China only just focusing on the cities this time? We don't know. But it is a few concerns to have. But I believe Apple at the end of the day is going to continue to weather the storm. I mean, they have a ton of cash on hand. They could probably weather as much as they need to. 
And at the end of the day, Apple's going to figure it out. I mean, maybe this also expands Apple's business to have to go to other countries to build their products and services. But who knows at the end of the day, Apple's to me is still a decent company, but there are things you still have to worry about in general. And that's understandable. So, but like I said, I think Apple's a decent company. So I think they can weather the storm. So thank you guys today for listening so much to this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and overall. I ask that if you have enjoyed this episode, that you please follow this podcast as it can help grow our podcast channel so we can be able to keep talking about events that are happening in the market. And also at the same time, be able to get more more information out to people so that if they enjoy this content, they want to listen as well. Please like and share with friends and family if you can. And at the same time, please also, uh, if you would like, you could leave a comment and maybe I can be able to answer some of you guys going forward. With that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you and goodbye.